Hi, I'm Crystal. Hi, I'm Celeste. Welcome to Positive Living with Crystal and Celeste. Positive Living is a podcast committed to your overall well-being by helping you live a life of harmony, compassion, and balance through mindfulness and meditation practices. Join us this week for our Positive Living Talk. Welcome to Positive Living with Crystal and Celeste. Today we are here to share in a conversation with some of our friends on the state of Black mental health. So we are so excited to be here today. Hi, Crystal. Hi. (laughs) So, um, Crystal, you want to introduce yourself, who you are, what you do? So I am Crystal Morris, a licensed professional counselor, the group practice owner of a multidisciplinary group, Butterflies Prospering Wellness Company in Killeen, Texas. Um, Our group consists of counseling, massage, uh, meditation, yoga, uh, nutrition, wellness. Um, So we specialize in uh, myself, more PTSD, trauma, relationships, anxiety, and depression. So we're going to talk about the state of Black mental health and where we are right now, how we're feeling, and what are some things that we can do to help our community and help the healing process. Right, so we said we had some friends with us and I have the pleasure of introducing my best friend of 23 years, Rashida McKenzie. Hi, Rashida. Hi, how are you? Rashida is a United States Army veteran. She's dedicated to missions at her church. She travels all over the country, (laughs) the world even. (laughs) She was supposed to be in the Netherlands this week doing missions work there, but due to COVID that had changed. And she's also, she does a lot of work with her church. She's dedicated to that. And she's the founder of Zoe's Women's Small Group where she helps women all ages. So thank you, Rashida, for being here and this conversation with us for today. Thank you. Thank you again, Rashida, for joining us. Our next panelist is Greg Collier. He is um, a fitness instructor, a wellness coach, and massage therapist. So he has his own business, In Touch uh, Therapeutic Massage and Collier's Gym as well. And he works with Butterflies Prospering Wellness at a massage therapist. So he has also, I believe, served as well, veteran, and we welcome Greg to the panel to just bring his perspective and knowledge. So welcome, Greg. Thank you. Hey, Greg, thanks for being here. So we're gonna get right into it, to the purpose of today's conversation, which is, unfortunately, we even have to have this conversation, but police brutality has been a problem for years amongst black men in our country and with the most recent death of George Floyd the entire world is upset and mad about it and the movement for black lives matter is alive strong and hopefully there's some hope for the future of that movement to change some laws and to stop the killings of black men we this one has 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 hit me really hard like it, it's been happening for years um 
the, the, the civil rights activists that I've seen over the week with George Floyd, they just look so tired. And I mean, it, it's had me very emotional all week. Um, and then for that to happen right here, just up the street from me in Minnesota, I'm, I'm, my, I'm messed up behind it. You know, my emotions are all over the place, you know, and we're here to talk about it today because I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one you know, everybody's watching the news. We know how people feel about it. And we want to do something about it. So how can we help? Um, I have a question for Rashida because last week she joined into one of the peaceful protests in her area in Jacksonville, Florida. So Rashida, I want to ask you, how was that protest for you? Did it offer you any hope? What was that experience like? Well, for one, one thing I've always wanted to do and not having anything to do with the Black Lives Matter um, rallying, but I've always wanted to be part of a peaceful protest. That's just always been something that's on my bucket list. Unfortunately, it, it was this. And when I heard um, about what was going on in Minnesota and when, you know, the, the protesting and the, just the rallying that people were doing, my mother actually called me because she knows about this. And she was like, are you in Minnesota? And I'm like, no, I'm not in Minnesota. It was, it was, she was serious, but she was joking because she knew my heart was to be involved in, in protests. So we had one here in Jacksonville and I'm like, yes, I want to go. I want to be a part of it because I feel like we're making history right now. And I want it to be there. It was a lot more of an emotional experience than I thought. I really, just to go down there and be in the middle, in the thick of it and hear the hearts of the people to see the different things they have written on the signs. These signs were like their voices at the same time. I mean, the things that they were saying and just the protesters, the rally, the love that was shown, there was people from every race down there handing out water, just having conversation. I mean, there was people, everybody was just so together. And yes, I do feel like it offered us hope because I feel like these protests have been triggered nationwide. And I feel like at this time we've made a loud enough noise to where it, it can't be ignored. In the past, we've made noise, but after, you know, our cries kind of faded out, we went back to business as usual. We'll never be able to go back to the way we were after this. Right. So I'm, I am so, I'm, I'm happy to have been a part of it. At the On the flip side, I was disappointed. Three hours later, it turned into rioting and, uh, burning police cars and things of that nature, which disappointed me because I feel like that part of it took away from what happened earlier that afternoon. But do I still feel like it, it, it's offering us hope? Yeah, a whole lot of hope because all over the world, people are advocating for us, advocating for just people, period. It's brought us together. It's opened up conversation. It's opened up heart conversations for us to have. It's uh, taken the, the blinders off of our eyes about a lot of the stuff that um, it's taking the blinders off of some people's eyes who weren't aware of the crisis that we've been in for years. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad to have been a, a part of it. Um, a friend of mine, she asked me, you know, would you do a protest again? I said I would, but I hope I never have to do this one ever again. Yeah. I, I really do hope that this was the last time I would ever have to do this one. Yeah, I'll, I'll protest another, some injustice, but I don't ever want to do Black Lives Matter again. Right. Wow. That's amazing. Thank you for your service. Knowing you all the years I've known you, you know, you're a giving person, you're a loving person. So I know you wouldn't be any other place <laughs> than that. 
um, last week when I called you and you told me you were there, I was like, oh my goodness. I was like, <laughs> middle of it when you called. <laughs> right. You were right in the middle of it, but I knew, you know, that you were safe. And I knew that you was at that moment, you were serving your why, you know, for that free is what you do. Serving others is what you do. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. Um, and, and to see all the young people, like, how did that make you feel to see the generations? Like, I don't know what a generation under you. Yeah. Beneath us. What it, what it, what is it? Uh, generation Z generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've seen a lot of, I've seen fathers with their teenage sons. I've seen a lot of teenagers. I've seen a lot of children, little children. I've seen um, families down there. I've seen some of every, every generation down there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just made me feel good. One of my coworkers, she was down there with her daughter. I think her daughter is like 11. And her daughter told her mom, I want to be part of the protest. So she, her 11-year-old daughter made a sign. And they went downtown. So they were, it was all ages. It was just amazing to see that this young generation, they know what's going on. They are not, uh, they are, they are not educated. They're not naive to what's going on in the world. They learn fast. I mean, an 11-year-old knows that Black Lives Matter and what they did was wrong. And she wanted to be a part of it. Yeah. So her mother, her mother took her down there. They're not, they're not African-American. You know, it's just they wanted to be a part and just be involved. So I thought it was it made me feel really good to see that um, it wasn't just brown people. It wasn't just black people down there. It wasn't just us. It was everybody from every age group down there. Yeah. Wow. Rashida, Greg, do you have any? um, I'm sorry, Crystal or Greg, do you have any questions for Rashida on that topic? Yeah. One of the things that really got me was being a black male, when you look at like the video was shocking to me because it appeared that um, when you, I don't have any um, boys, but I have two grandkids. And I was asking myself the whole time, what else can you possibly do as far as listening to what um, the officers are telling you to do and you still end up like that. So um, I was, been out of trance for this whole week, the last 10 days, just thinking that, you know, God really blessed me to have four girls. But at the same time, I still have to equip myself with what needs to be taught to my grandkids and ensure that they understand that the divide is there and we have to do something about it. Yeah. Crystal? Uh, I think, like, you guys both made valid points, you know, how can we do something and how can we help in that way? Everyone, whether it's a peaceful protest, um, educating others in the community about our history and our rights and voting and those types of things to, you know, hey, we didn't just come here. This has been a struggle. It's been a pathway that we have to, um, I guess my question to you guys both, what do y'all think about some people, the controversy of, hey, we needed to riot, we need to be aggressive and take action. You know, there's no more time for peace and we all need to be strapped. How, how do you feel about those those things like that, comments? And- well, I think that um, going back, I was born in 1964 um, and being born in Florida, I was not really subjected to a lot of blatant racism because um, half my family is white. So we were never kind of raised that way, but there was a, you know, a, a divide. When I went in the military a little bit, you kind of see that. But um, 
I think that everything was like nice and peaceful back in when MLK was doing the marches. But they see that that really was only something that has has not materialized. It seems like every year since um, President Obama has been out, it's been more apparent that the divide is there. So um, when you ask someone to be peaceful, when someone slaps you, the Bible says you to turn the other cheek. But in today's society, I do believe that education is the key. Um, I don't believe that um, you know tearing stuff up and being violent is gonna do anything other than trigger a response from the other side. So I think that we had to come up with a plan that is done through education, not through physical force. I agree. I agree. I, um, in re when it comes to the protesting and just the rallying, I'm all for the demonstrations. I'm all for the, the different type of demonstrations. And the one that I've seen in Colorado that, that to me was the most impactful was when the crowd laid on the ground with their hands behind their back for nine minutes and all they did was was chant, I can't breathe. That stayed with me. That's going to stay with me forever. They made, as, as silent as they were, you know, and laying on the ground, they made so much noise with what they did. Um, I don't necessarily agree with the looting and the burning of cars and stuff like that because I feel like it kind of stifles the reason why we're doing this and, and it casts a negative look on it. I understand that people are angry and people are going to express their anger the way that they know how. Um, however, you know, my first experience with looking at riots, I believe, was the Rodney, Rodney King. Um, or, and yeah, Rodney King, I think that was the first, my first uh, realistic look at, at rioting. Um, this is, I feel like this is way more, it's bigger than that now because it's 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 all it's worldwide but i am not um opposed to the rallying and the protesting but um the rioting yeah i think i'm, I'm really uncomfortable with that I, it's i'm not i'm not for it put it that way but some people say it's necessary but in my opinion there's people out there that are supporting the black lives matter movement who have been looted so how is that effective Right. That, that definitely makes sense. Looking at, you know, both perspectives and what, what is our end goal here? What are we trying, the message we're trying to send? Um, you're going to have individuals that, you know, think otherwise. I mean, me thinking back to my emotions, it, it was it was a array of emotions, you know, from heartbroken, exhausted, you know, angry, emotional, you know, and as a counselor having to see clients and separate that, you know, we'll talk about that part, like separate your emotions from helping someone when, when you have to experience that. We're all experiencing it, you know, in different ways. So um, do you have a question for Greg or Celeste, did you want to add anything to, to that here before we get back? No, no, this is, this is good. You can continue. Okay. So, so Greg, you talked about, you know, your upbringing, culture, and the question that we kind of wanted to talk about, what, what do you think for, for young, you know, a black male or brown male, like, what do you think their role would be in the challenges they would have when they're facing, like, those cultural differences? What do you think they, their role should be? I think one of the main things that people need to do is realize that everyone has the opportunity to achieve anything you want to achieve. And of course, 
there are roadblocks and there are some challenges, but I think education is going to be the key. I think getting some positive role models that will allow that person to see that this is what I've done. Um, my sister, um, you know, she was a single parent, or is a single parent, has two kids, and she's actually graduating um, next month with a doctorate degree. It's tough, but she went through all the struggles, and she's very prayerful. She's very understanding that um, if God gives you a vision to go to that next level, whatever it is, he will provide. And I think, um, like I said before, it's so hard for me as a grandfather to two little boys when they look up to me and say, well, why did I get, why do I get, um, why are people afraid of me? Um, they can be the smartest person in the world. But um, until we bond together and get a lot of our white um, brothers and sisters to go against some of these systemic racism type bills where it was inbred from their parents, a lot of people don't know that little kids will play together. They don't have any, any, they don't, they, they don't know the difference between a black and a white. It's just when they get around their parents, they get around people that have the ideology in their mind that these people, because one person did something bad to me, all people are the same. So we need to make sure that the people that we have, like my grandkids, that they are have positive role models. There aren't wrong people. One of the, problems we run into is in our community is you have a lot of single moms that have to work because the Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. But when they're at school and they're being subjected to all these other parents that some are they're younger or whatever the case may be, they are influenced to be a part of something. And a part of something that we need to do is get programs that make them feel it's a positive part of something, not a game where you're doing things or you're saying things or you're trying to fit in that's something that we have to do. And it's a long road. You know, one of my, my grandkids is 11 and one is five, but I'm just so, um, I mean, I'm just fearful, fearful that um, as they get older, um, they may get subjected to that pull of people that said, this is the way, the short way. And, and it's, it doesn't take very long to be down the wrong road. Then you start getting involved with the police and one thing about the police and i told my friend this today as i was training i said that i'm 56 years old i never had a problem with the police and i would just think that um, my opinion of the police um has always been and i know it's not always the same with everyone if if i do something wrong just like anything else they ask me to do something i'm gonna do it but um it's not always that way after i watched the video it appeared to me by watching the video that he wasn't doing anything other than trying to live. And that really affected me in a way that I've been praying every day to have some type of deal from the Holy Spirit tell me, well, how do I help people? How do I help these young kids that just because I'm a big white guy, I'm dangerous. No, I'm no different than you are. I'm the same. So that's what we have to come up with some type of plan to get these people involved and, and believing in themselves and believing that regardless of whatever you are you can't be anything you want to be mm -hmm. it does take work yeah i think that that was a good point like you said finding positive role models having this helps with other coping things for our for the for the mental health you know and and a lot of times unfortunately us as 
Black individuals, we don't reach out for help. We feel like we can internalize it and handle it on our own, you know, until it gets so bad, you know. Um, if we are struggling with being discriminated or faced with some racism that may come. So, yeah, I think understanding the history, the education of it, um, educating uh, others about voting and the rights and what people have fought hard for in the past for us, you know. So, yeah, definitely. I think thank you for, for you know, your candid and being open and, and sharing that. Um, I just want to share one thing, Celeste, uh, where you want um, you know, Greg brought up a point, you know, being a single mom and, and my son to a black son, you know, I and in the neighborhood that I do live in is more fluent, uh, you know, white individuals. So I'm like, man, can I let I can't really let him go outside, you know, down the street. I was kind of like or to the pool to walk, you know, I have to walk with him. And then I personally did. And, you know, I'm like, well, well, I used to walk in the neighborhood and jog. Now I need to go jog in the park because is it safe for me, you know, as a black female? Because they're not only doing things to, you know, black males, but black females or, you know, Breonna Taylor, you know, it's like, is it safe in my home? You know, they're going to come in. So those are the things mentally that us as black individuals were challenged with. Um, and how do we how do we deal with that? So we'll kind of talk about that later on. I just wanted to share that as a thought for discussion. It's definitely time to talk about it, Greg. And like you said, you know, educating and it and it's so <laughs> funny that you had all girl children and now you have two grandsons now and, and you're thinking about, you know, their future. But I feel like it's time for everybody to talk about it, like blacks, whites, minority, majority, whatever, because this we're in a time now where ignorance is not an excuse, you know. Um, things that certain individuals say, you know, athletes, and then, you know, it, it offends us. Like now it's just not the time to just be speaking your mind because we're not accepting apologies so fast anymore, you know? And so just like it takes a village to raise a, to, you know, to rear a child in the way you want them to go, it's going to take a village to get over, to fight this, this racism fight. You know, the whites got to be talking to their children, you know, that's not right. They are people, you know, they're, they're, they're persons, you know, and, and us the same thing, you know, just because they have this color or our future um, has been this way in the past, I mean, our past has been this way, you know, let's look to a, a brighter future. But I just feel like, I strongly feel like we all have to talk about it. You know, being in the military, our military is struggling right now, you know, because these things will happen in the past and then we go to work like, you know, everybody on eggshells. We know what just happened. Right. <laughs> you know, let, let's talk about it. And with this situation, general officers, they are talking about it. They're, they're checking on their formations like, hey, how is this affecting you? You know, and so education, awareness, it was something that someone said earlier. But just, you know, this this. This situation is, is offering a lot of awareness and we, we got to catch hold of it. Like, you know, we we can't be quiet about it. That's why you see, you know, all the <laughs> and, and I hope they understand, you know, the, the privilege or, you know, why I'm, I'm really hoping that they understand, you know, that that it is a thing, you know, because we've been separate for so long, you know, and being silent is 
speak in the loudest, you know, form of, you know, making excuses, not to offend anyone. I mean, mm-hmm. but we, we got to talk about it. It's, it's, it's no more time for, you know, oh, I'm not racist. You know, I have my best friend is black. You know, or I'm not racist. I, I hang out with, you know, white people every weekend, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, we, we can't say those things. Can I say one thing? One thing I would say about having four girls, and I have um, mixed kids. Um, my oldest kid is 30, and my youngest kid is 19. And I have a 25-year-old and a 28-year-old. And my 25-year-old graduated from UT in three years, so all my kids are really, really smart. But she was really affected by this thing. So one of the things she said to me was, because you know, of course she has white friends, black friends, all felt that um, the people inside your circle, they have to be aware that you're hurting. So just to say, hey, how are you doing? I know you can't say you know how I feel, but you get to know exactly who's actually um, inside, should be inside of your circle by them at least addressing the fact that you are hurting. I think everyone is tired of blowing it off. Everyone is tired of saying, we'll wait to the next time. So I'm really proud of my girls that they are standing up. They're trying to do petitions. They want to go do peaceful um, demonstrations. And, you know, I don't think I would say is just be really careful because they have a lot of people that are out there to disrupt and divide. They want to start stuff. And you just have to have a mission where you go out and you say, I want my voice to be heard, but you have to be very smart about it. That's why we continue to come up with some type of program that will allow us to speak louder so they can't blow us off in the door. Yeah. Wow. This is <laughs> okay. Well, moving on, um, unless anybody else had any comments on what Greg just said. I think it's 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 needed, you know. Um uh, just addressing what that looks like for us to heal emotionally, you know, what does that look like for us? But um, let's go ahead and... Yeah. Um, so, and this is some of the things at the end, Chris is going to give us several tips and um, education on how we can protect our mental health. But for Rashida, I have a question. Do you think that the news and social media is affecting our mental health Making it worse, making it better. What are they doing? What are you? It's doing? making. It's definitely making it worse. Yeah. And and the reason why I say that is because it's being the media is just feeding this twenty four seven nonstop, and it doesn't stop. And the video of George Floyd um, pretty much getting murdered on TV is just as traumatic the first time we've seen it as it is the fiftieth time that it's that it's shown. Because it took me days to even watch it. And I literally felt like I was suffocating while I was looking at him. I I literally felt like I couldn't breathe, literally. So the media has been a big influence on how we feel because it's inciting all of this unrest. It's inciting all of these emotions. It's inciting all of this unrest. Mm -hmm. And what I've been telling people, even for myself, like I posted on my Facebook page how this thing had, um, before I realized it, it had brought me of my peace looking constantly scrolling people want to continue to post rights people want to continue to repost old images of police brutality people are continuing to feed all of their negativity 
But then you have the people who are feeding Black Lives Matter, you know, all of the all of the positive parts of the movement. There's just so much in the middle of that. And our, our emotions are just all out of control. So, yeah, it's definitely an influence because it's, it's pushed, it's thrown at us 24-7. And not to mention the, the racism that is being exposed and people in our circle, people on our jobs, people that we didn't know uh, were racist. We didn't know. Even in my own circle, I'm noticing, I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> I haven't heard anything from you. You know, do you do you care about what's going on or do you just not know what to say? Because there's a gray area, too. We got to show people grace just because they're not saying anything doesn't mean they don't care. They just probably never had to talk about it before and they don't know what to say. Yeah. So we shouldn't I feel like we shouldn't go after anybody who's not, you know, Reverend Black Lives Matter and just make it say, oh, you're automatically a racist. But we do need to notice some things, just like Greg was saying in your in your circle, you'll notice who's who's for you and and who may not be. You know, that takes some discernment and it just takes, you know, some grace sometimes, too. But, yeah, the media is definitely an influence on how we're feeling right now. And I, I believe that for for the people who it is affecting pull back from it. If you need to stop talking to friends who want to talk about it 24-7, then that's what you need to do. You need to silence all the negativity. Get your own uh, peace of mind back. Get control of your own space again. Take control of your TV and what you're you're allowing your ear gates and your eye gates to see because everything that's going on in your eyes and your ears is what's going down into your heart. And all of that stuff is eventually going to spill out in anger because people are anger because of all of the aggression that they're seeing. So we need to just, like I said, your your mental health, your peace of mind is the most important thing. You need to protect that at all costs. Yes, it's not. Yes, you, you want to watch the news so you can keep up with current events. That's fine. But when you start getting emotional about what's going on, you stay in that place, that's when it's starting to affect you. So you need to remove yourself from it. And I was telling a young lady, just because you remove yourself from it for a minute does not mean you, you don't, you're not for the cause. You can be for the cause and still take a break. It's right. a lot going on. We just got out of quarantine, coronavirus, you know, people are dying, people are still dying. Mm -hmm. And then this, historical unemployment rates, people don't have jobs. You know, every day I see a U-Haul in my complex for somebody having to move out. And it's crazy. And so do I believe it's the influence is not just the, the media and social media, it's people, it's your friends and family. It's everybody, everybody has something to say right now. And for your own peace of mind, we need to protect that at all costs. And maybe we just need to detox. I like, I've been using the word detox. You need to detox from all the negativity and just take a break. Get, yeah. get a get a handle on your peace of mind. Get a grip on it again, so that you're strong enough and confident enough to come back. And you know, I might not be able to watch the news every day. Maybe I'll just watch it on the weekend to catch up. You know, other than that, I need to focus on my children, my relationship, my job, and everything else. Because you still have your regular life. In the middle of everything that's going on, you still have your regular responsibilities and things that you need to be doing. And don't let the weight of the world distracts you. Pray. We just need to be closer to the Lord now than ever than we ever did before. We just need to be on our knees before the Father, just crying out to Him, telling Him, you know, He, he knows how we feel. He knows what's going on. He is still in control. And I think that people have, they've lost, they, they've, I don't want to say they've lost hope, but they have forgotten for a minute that mm -hmm. even though it looks like it's a mess out there, God is still God and He'll still He's still going to get the glory out of this 
we just don't know how, but we just still need to be praying and, and keeping our focus on him right now. Because that's really the truly the only thing that has helped me get myself out of that dark hole that I had started spiraling in, yeah. um, which is, Lord, let me get back in front of you. Let me turn the TV off and get back in front of you. And, you know, I went from there to, to about, okay, my focus is back. Right. I was going to say, you know, I'm saying what you said, Rashida, like getting our focus back on the things we can control. You know, a lot of times we mentally, we get wrapped up, like you said, go down that dark place, that rabbit hole, and we can't get back. So it's kind of like, what's that self-care piece and our routine to restore ourselves and Something else you mentioned about, you know, maybe people in our circle, that they haven't responded or, ha or they're silent, that people that are not African-American or Black or, uh, you know, what can we do? I wanted to go over a few tips, if you don't mind, of how can we check in on our Black friends? Uh, I'm an educator first. So I like to educate uh, us, you know, what are some things that we can do? So, uh, one, you know, Keeping our message, they can keep their message short and loving. Like we don't have to just have this long blank, you know, hey, I'm just sending you some, you know, some love or and how's everything doing? If you need to talk, I'm here. You know, keep it simple, short, let reaching out, you know, because like you said, silence is also telling me maybe not a positive signal that, oh, do you care about how I'm feeling? Yeah. You know, my mental state emotionally. Um, what we don't want to do is make it about they don't want to make it about their feelings because it's not about, you know, wow, I would feel this way. Give us that. It's about validating, you know, a black person's emotions and how they feel in that moment because someone that's not in that culture, you're not going to know and understand that. Um, so do not also write something sensational or fear based, you know, there's enough fear going on right now. So having hope, like you said, having positive things, that are helpful during this trying time challenging is going to be important. Um, and also, if you don't know the person or you haven't been in touch with them in a while, you know, maybe you shouldn't just try to like create, you know, let me try to reach out because I think this is the thing to do. You know, like if you're not in, they're not in your circle, then, you know, keep that in mind as well, you know, because some people can be offended by that. Um, instead, send them, you know, maybe how can I help financially for the cause or, is there some other way that I can help to check in? You know, is there something you need, you know, versus, you know, trying to make it and flip it. But, um, and remember, never expect a response back, you know, just because you reached out doesn't mean we owe that response to respond. You know, we have to give people time to process, you know, everything that's going on. So I just wanted to, to say those tips for others that are wondering, that are not black and don't know what to say. You know, those are some things that you can share. Yeah, that was good. Thanks, Crystal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so moving on to Crystal, did you wanna discuss um, race-based trauma and coping with that? Yes, that's, we're talking about trauma. So this is a black mental health. So we can talk about the discussion I'm all about what are some tips? And also, I had a question for Greg before I get into that. Um, you are in fitness, wellness. Can you tell me a little about the connection with that and how it can help in the uh, mental health? Well, I think that um, traditionally, when we were younger, um, everyone had to do exercise when they were in school. 
and they got kind of out away from that. And the new this new society that everyone is basically playing video games and um, Facebook or Instagram or whatever. But I think it just pollutes your mind to not allocate time to take care of your mind, body, and soul. And one of the things I try to tell people that come in is the more time you allocate towards um, books or that's going to help you get smarter to achieve that. But I think the time you allocate towards um, eating correctly and working out, it gives you a whole mindset that you will have more energy to do some of the other things. Some of the people that choose not to exercise, when whatever reason they decide not to exercise, they don't, they'll say, I don't have energy. But one of the things I do when people come in and they want to talk to me about eating, the one thing I try to let them know from the very get-go, that you are what you eat. They taught us that in elementary school. And some of the things you eat won't allow you to have the energy that you need to even study or even exercise. And the whole thing about exercise is about improving the quality of life. I think that we just need to get this, and I'm going to say this, and I don't mean any ill effect by it, but uh, in my opinion, I could just go off my life experiences that, like, in my, my family, none of my cousins, my older cousins, they, they don't exercise. It's just like you basically have kids, you gain weight, um, you, you know, do your deal, but you don't think that you have an opportunity to say, I don't have to gain 70 pounds. I don't have to do this. And I think that once if you look at yourself and say, I am taking care of my body, that's going to give you our opportunity to say, um, I can achieve this. I can achieve that. But what you'll run into is that if you, it's so hard to start this thing. But I think as, to me, as a, a black male, is that when I reach out to people that are 50 years old, I let them know that you are starting everything you do towards fitness to allow you to be 80 years old. So regardless of what level you are at, you still have to say, the mental aspect of being able to say, hey, I lost a pound. That's something that's positive. And it's not saying that you need to be a size one or two. Is that when you feel better, and the whole thing about me and exercise is all about the quality of life. I think that if your quality of life goes up through exercising and seeing exactly what you can eat for your body type, I think that's like the first step in being able to create these groups if you have someone that you have an issue with chocolate or cookies or whatever, you need someone to go walk with and you get a little group of people to go walk with and to say positive things and stop talking about negative things and surround yourself with these positive bills. I think that you'll have the energy to exercise and do the exercise. That's going to be the key to being able to get these groups started in order to make a change. Oh, that, that was good what you're talking about, that change, because wellness and exercise and eating right is linked to our mental health. You know, it can affect and heighten anxiety. We're already at a state of anxiety and stress right now with what's going on in the world. So taking care of yourself, you know, like, like Rashida said, taking that time away from the news. Hey, I need to just just focus on me and pray, meditate, whatever it is eat healthy. So all of those components affect our mental health, whether we're depressed, uh, it can heighten that, it can heighten the anxiety. So definitely thank you for sharing that. Um, Celeste, you wanted to add anything? No, you said it. 
You said it. Thanks. Um, so it gets us into, you know, we're talking about the race and the trauma that we're seeing because of all of these injustices to black lives. And uh, the thing as a counselor that what we need to address, and I'm not a lot of counselors or clinicians are trained on that, is addressing race-based trauma. You know, like how do we bring that up? And, you know, if you have someone that's coming to you in session with that or being a support to a friend or someone that has, I think we've probably all experienced some kind of racial uh, encounter or discrimination at some level within our life, whether at work or out in the streets. And how do we react to that, you know? But I think, you know, race-based trauma is is when we have like repeated stress or trauma based on racial encounters, whether it's overt, over microaggression, you know, uh, I can I can attest for being the only black female counselor, you know, black, on my job and one of my jobs. So there was a lot of comments that were said, and I'm like, well, is this the time to, to say something or grievance or, you know, comment about something culturally, you know, my hair or the what what I'm what do I eat? Oh, I don't eat pork, so I must be Muslim or you know, just just small things like that and you're like, wow, does that did that really happen? So um yeah, I just you know, it, it leads to a race based trauma stress. So how do we how do we deal with that? How do we deal with the let me ask you guys this question. How do you guys deal with microaggression? And uh, before I kind of get into the discussion, how do you deal with the covert or overt kind of aggression um, or racial comments if you've had any experiences? One of the problems that I run into, like I said, <clears throat> being a black male is like people using the N-word around me is offensive. It doesn't matter who says it. I just think that that's a mindset that that's the first thing that we have to address is to have people feel that you're not deserved to be called anything. It doesn't matter anything out of your name. So um, one of the things I have to do is pray a lot because if you react to one of these situations, all you're gonna do is keep up going to jail. So I think you have to think things out. And one of the things my bishop said forever, he said that KYMS, keep your mouth shut if you don't have anything to say. And I think that if you pray about whatever, if someone says something offensive, and you pray and God tells you to leave it alone or God tells you to go address that person. But if, if he told you to go address that person, he's already carried that person's heart to say, hey, um, you need to, even if you don't apologize, like you said before, you don't sit there and wait to get mad because you can't control anyone's actions except yours. At least if God told you to go say, hey, Crystal, you offended me. Because anyone is going to get offended every day. It doesn't matter. So you had to know exactly that, that um, people are just so selfish and it doesn't matter what color they are. You just have to realize that you have to take everything to God. And if it's something that he tells you to address it in this way or that way, you should um, do it. But if not, um, I think that you just need to um, just need to just be patient. Yeah, that's good. Patience. And I think picking and choosing your battles to fight, is this worth it? Yeah. But you were, you know, your military experience as a black female in the military. What, what was that like? Or did you have to encounter anything of you know, microaggression? Did you say me or Rashida? I'm sorry, I missed it. One of you guys. Oh. <laughs> um, 
In the military, I must say, I, I haven't experienced it. And if I have, I'm such a unicorn most days to I missed it. It went over my head because <laughs> I'm good at ignoring. And I never, I've never been in a place where I'm like, oh, I don't want to talk to this person or I don't like going around that person because, you know, I'm going to be on, the only black when I walk in a room. I make sure I walk in those rooms, you know, because, you know, to let them know like, hey, I'm here. I have a voice and I have a seat at this table, especially when I became a warrant, because I mean, how many black female warrants are there in my field? Most of the time, every meeting I sat in, it was all males. And sometimes it was, you know, all white males. And maybe it was just, two blacks in there but anyway um if 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 that did come to me because i have you know me crystal (laughs) i'm very positive and i could just like overlook some things or just not even see it and it could be myself and someone else in the room and the experience they had in that room could be totally different from mine so it's mindset too you know and 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 confidence and Mm self-esteem you know if you And it depends on where you grew up at. You know, I grew up Mm -hmm. in Miami where, I mean, we have every nationality under the sun. So I didn't experience a lot versus someone that grew up in South Carolina, you know, and it's like, whoa. And I'm like, why do you always think like that? Why you got to say that, you know? (laughs) So it, it depends on your mindset, where you come from. But then there are times I'm not completely, you know, a unicorn. There's times where I've had to, you know, probably hurt feelings, not intentionally, but I met this lady, short story, I was at the American Legion here in Minnesota, actually, and we were the only blacks in there, just us two versus about 70 whites, and um, the lady was really nice, you know, like, in the beginning. I mean, she's still nice now, but (laughs) anyway, we were talking, and she just kept asking me, so where are you from? How did you grow up? Because she was already impressed about how, you know, I was retired military, blah, blah, blah. So she had been complimenting me and, you know, giving me compliments all night. But then she asked, okay, so where did you grow up? Was it the projects? And I kept ignoring that P word, the project, you know? (laughs) Like she was straight up. But where did you grow up? What was it like? Was it the projects? So I'm explaining to her, you know, where I grew up, where I went to school. She said projects three times, right? (laughs) So... I I let her know. I said, yes, it was low-income housing, you know, where I grew up. However, you know, and the conversation went on. So then it came up to, like, how she grew up. Because she was like, when I told her that, yeah, that's how I grew up, she kind of, like, had this, you know, awe. And I was like, you don't, like, like, I had a happy childhood, you know. I had everything I needed as a child and half the things I wanted. Like, don't feel sorry for where I grew up. Like, I'm happy I go back there when I go to Miami and make sure, you know, I go, you know, help someone or just encourage one of the girls in the neighborhood. So anyway, it came up to where she grew up, how she grew up. And then she was like, I don't know if there's a name for that. Like, like you know, like I knew that, yeah, you know, a, a lot of you grew up in the projects, but where I grew up, blah, blah. And so I said, yeah, we call that trailer park trash. <laughs> and she was like, <laughs> you know, like, oh, okay, well, I guess that is the name for it, you know, but just to educate her, like, okay, just because, you know, I grew up in low income housing and you're describing where you grew up at, like, yeah, you know, when, when I, as I was growing up, that's what we considered, you know, a trailer park or whatever. And but she was, it seemed like she was surprised, you know, when I said that, but I'm like, there's, there's not a difference, you know. 
how we both grew up. You know, I'm just admitting where I grew up at and you're, you know, painting this picture like yours was, you know, so much prettier than mine or whatever. But anyway, um, so it's not all the time where that happens, you know, um, but I think, you know, I think I probably surprised her with how I said it, you know, especially, you know, people can take your kindness and your politeness for a weakness. And I don't know, I don't know where she was going. But anyway, after that, the conversation, we still remain friends. We're Facebook friends and everything. She requested me that same night. You know, there are no issues. But anyway, that was one time that I could recall. <laughs> I think we need those real life stories. Um, did you want to say anything, Rashida? Or how, or? Um, the military, I, had, I came in with issues. So that's a whole nother conversation. Um, my, my, my issues in the military were completely different from racism. At, so I can't really um, say that. Did I get some glimpses of it? I did, but at the end of the day, like Celeste said, it just depends on, you know, where are you? How were you raised? What type of people were you around? How do you treat that kind of stuff? Um, for me, it wasn't it wasn't anything that I can remember was, was that heavy, but I did see it, but it wasn't something, it's kind of like you pick your own battles. You know, I have, you know, I have other things that I need to be um, focusing on right now. And then I was very young. I don't even know if I knew how to address things that I saw. I was, you know, very young at that time. But yeah, you, you see glimpses of it, but I see glimpses of it in corporate America. You know, I see glimpses of it where I, certain places I go sometimes, but it's just a matter of, you know, am I gonna be reactive to it or is, am I going to just go on with my life? Right. Makes sense. So I wanted to talk about, you know, with traumatic stress, you know, we have that, there's a psychological component to that, how we're affected and physically, you know, where people are having anxiety attack, guilt and, you know, shame and avoidance, you know, uh, dissociation, what we call, or hypervigilance, you know, kind of like a form of PTSD, you know, like it can lead to that. So if we are not treating that, we're not being aware or we're just oh, that didn't really happen. I'm going to pretend like it didn't happen. We're not addressing it. You know, it can, it can have some physical elements to us. So it can not only, uh, like, high blood pressure, you know, because you're stressed out because you, maybe your work environment is not conducive or, oh, I have to encounter this person, you know, in my day-to-day, -day and it's, it's causing triggering me. So I think just with, you know, the black mentals that we're triggered by all of these events that are happening and it's affecting our mental, emotional state to be able to be sound, to be able to get out there and vote, to do the things that we need to do, that focus that does count, you know, to have that, to be that voice and instead of being paralyzed with that. So uh, some things as a counselor that we can do, um, techniques, we, we, do like narrative therapy. So telling your story, uh, sharing that, being able to, in a supportive and brave environment, safe environment, empathetic. You know, uh, when we talk about sympathizing and empathizing, those are two different things. You know, sympathize like, oh yeah, I'm sorry that happened to you, you know, but are you really sorry? And then empathizing, you know, putting ourselves in that person's shoes and understanding, wow, that must have really been hurtful 
that they said that to you or you had to experience that. So I think it's, it's empathizing more, creating that environment so that individuals can share their story and they, there's no right or wrong way of how you feel. Those are your emotions and allowing that person to process that. Um, another intervention, the lifeline. You know, it's a creative, I like to be creative as an educator and uh, you know, getting stones and rope, you know, each stone representing something, an event that might have happened that you have to overcome, being able to illustrate that. Um, so those are, those are some different ones. And then uh, relational cultural theory, like building a relationship with, with that person that's telling their story. You know, a person is not going to want to share with you if they don't feel a connection, a vibe, you know, in person. So I have to build that relational bond with that person. And if you're talking to a friend, for them to share with you, not just as a counselor, but as as an individual. And these are things that are helpful to us. Um, and, you know, our culture, dance, music, you know, all of those things, creative interventions, maybe painting, you know, um, releasing some of those emotions that we are angry and upset. Maybe we have to blow bubbles. I don't know. Whatever we need to do to, to take our mind off of that and create that safe place. So, um, and foster the relationships that you do have. You know, like we talked about, reaching out to other Black individuals just because we don't, you know, we're all Black. We still have a different experience with this encounter. So let me check in on my, my black brother, my black sister, and, and really my friend, and say, how are you doing? So I do appreciate that with in my tribe, and you know, what is your tribe, and who's there to help you process this? As a counselor and as you know, professionals here, we're all, we have to have someone to help us process as well. So I think that's important. Uh, so Celeste, uh, I think you wanted to ask me, so I know we're gonna wrap up here shortly, but. No. Um, as a, cause I, I do worry about you too, Crystal, you know, being a counselor. And I think you, you mentioned it earlier, but <laughs> yeah, I do worry about your mental health because you see people all day, every day in, in your private practice and at school. I don't know if you know Rashida, but Crystal's working on her doctorate in San Antonio. And so she has a very busy schedule where she's constantly around and talking to people, supervising people, and then she's in a student role. So I worry about you. What What are you doing or, you know, how do you separate um, the today's issues and, you know, all of the other activities you have going on with your life and still effective counsel someone with race-based trauma, you know, and with the fear of the COVID. Like, it is a lot going on in 2020. Like, how do you do it all and still maintain? Are you okay? <laughs> yeah, that sometimes I have to stop and like talk to myself, Crystal, are you okay? So thank you, Celeste. Like, you know, I appreciate your, your nurturing and caring heart, you know, and positive. So that does encourage me, you know, for to be able to have people to talk to, you know, thankful that I have counselor friends and colleagues, you know, so they can help process. But definitely, um, I would share what I do and I would love to hear what you guys do also to help you. But as a therapist, a black therapist, one, um, I take that time away, like self-care, journaling, uh, being able to process my emotions after, you know, I, I see, I saw clients earlier today 
not not everybody's black that I see, but I, I see a diverse population. So sometimes we have to address, we address the COVID stuff. We have to address the rioting, you know, that might come up. So how do I bring that up in a session? Or if they're feeling the awkwardness, you know, I like to be assertive and direct. But one, um, you know, that sometimes it's okay that I don't really tell others, like, I don't have to keep having this conversation over and over about racial stuff. You know, like she said, taking that break away, stepping away from the news. Like I don't really watch the news. So, because I know that, or it took me a while like, for she to watch that video. Cause I, that's a trigger. I have, I have a son and that's, you know, where I did for Ahmad too. And for him, you know, all of those things, you know, it, it was personal to me, you know, so I had to separate myself as a counselor and, I'm a parent, I'm a mom, I, you know, I'm a black woman, so how do I process this? Um, and then reaching out, you know, Les has been, you know, one of those supports. She hears me, I'm like, okay, I'm back, you know, let me get back to business. Uh, so I thank you for that. And taking a mental health day, you know, uh, I don't want to do nothing. You know, I do, uh, we do a lot. All of us are busy on this platform, this panel. So we having to take that mental health day for yourself to relax, to chill, um, it is important. So th those are just some of the things that I do. What, what's one thing that you guys do to take, take you know, care of yourself during these trying times? I've been working out. I've been doing, um, hitting the bridges in the morning, just burning them early morning calories and just staying away from um, anything that is, that's robbing my peace. I don't want to hear nothing negative. I don't want to hear you complain. I don't want to hear anything Period. It is right. I don't want to hear nothing negative from anybody. When I get into a place where I've had enough, I don't answer my phone and I don't apologize for it either. My friends, they'll text me. I went three days without answering the phone. On that third day, my friend was like, if you didn't pick up today, I was going to come by your house. I'm like, I appreciate y'all, you know, but you just know that I'm fine. I just need, I need my space from everything. For me, it's silence. I just need silence. Yeah. Good what you said. Just not apologizing we don't that's too many times we feel like we have to apologize for the way that we feel it's always encouraging those are your emotions those are your feelings you're entitled whether that person agrees or don't agree so i think that's very very true so greg what, what do you do during this time to kind of help cope well i guess one of the things i have to do is most of the time i get up at four o'clock i try to get up um, 4 a.m. because I have to leave, but I have to take that one hour prior to doing my devotion and get my mind at me time before I come in to deal with people because I'm not the nicest trainer in the world, but mm -hmm. once I pray in the morning, do my little devotion, I could kind of make it, fake my way through the, until 8 o'clock. So by getting up every morning at 4 o'clock and having to be at the gym at uh, 4.30 or 5, you have to take that time out to just mentally thank God, number one, for allowing you to wake up and just in your mind, just play your day the way it needs to go. And one of the things you said was about positive and no negativity. Um, I think that's like one of the biggest things that I look at is I want to surround myself with people. And I ask God all the time, we pray every day, to take people away that don't need to be here and surround us with people that are here that you sent to be here. So I think that people that are obviously that's in your life 
in order to put this plan together, you may have to separate from some of those people. And I think that that's mm-hmm. something that you're, you guys have been, this is what you do as, um, for a living, you know, talking to people about their mental state is that some of the people that you have in your life, they're keeping you in that hole by getting those people out of your life and praying that should this person be in my life, I need to define each relationship with each person that I allow into my life. If it's not anything positive, you don't have to like dislike them. The Bible never says you have to like everyone, you said love them. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of you're going to that next level, you have to separate yourself from them. And one of the biggest problems that you run into is some of those people may have to be your family. Yeah. True. <laughs> Definitely. Thank you, Greg, for that. Like it just separating, you know, prayer, meditation, journaling, whatever we need to do, exercise, eating healthy to keep saying, to keep that, that mental state is important. And Celeste, what, what did you, what do you, what's been helpful for you during this time? And I know that you said your emotions been kind of all over. And, and yeah, they have been. I've been so emotional this week. But my oils, my essential oils have been helping me. Um, this week, I create, I mean, I've been creating them over the weeks, but the three that I've come up with that's going to be actually available in the positive living community, um, I, I created oil. So when I'm, when I'm playing, I call it playing, but it's really serious. <laughs> but when I'm playing in the oils, just the, the, the scents and the fragrances from the natural and essential oils is immediately just calms me down. You know, almost everything, every combination that I'm putting together for something involves lavender and that alone is a calming scent. So, um, I created an oil for anxiety, you know, to help calm me down. And then, you know, one day I was highly depressed. I'm like, Ooh, where did that come from? So I had to go and sniff and rub myself down in the uplifting oil for that. And then, um, Greg, I was actually doing this challenge on well, a burpee challenge. So then my muscles got sore because I was like, oh, I got a lot of energy. Let me channel this energy. And I did all these burpees. So I created an oil for re- to relax my muscles. So that's what I've been doing this week. Oh and it helped a lot. So essential oils. Essential oils, yes. So um, just to kind of wrap up, can you tell us some resources that what we can do to you know, to help with the black mental state, um, our mental health, you as individuals and how we can, um, yeah, continue to, to take care of ourselves during this, this horrific time and challenging time and crisis. Yeah. Um, okay. Let me see. I think this is the one I want to share right here. If for those that are watching, you can do a screenshot of this page. Mm-hmm. Um, ways to help. And here's some resources. So over the week, I, I mean, I was that person, Rashida, who was like all up and through the news. <laughs> and I watched CNN for like two days. And I hear Echo, I don't know. Sorry. But the, my brother's keeper, that's a 
a resource that was, well, not a resource, an organization that was started by President Barack Obama when he was in office. And on there is a whole bunch of information. I'm not going to try to summarize all of these resources, but his was a good one that I want, I would like to research. Maybe I'll donate for that. But yes, yeah, my brother's keeper, they, they actually have video that he spoke from it this week. He addressed the nation and then during a Facebook, I mean, it wasn't a Facebook live, but it was on some platform and he was actually there speaking on behalf of my brother's keeper. But there are brothers in there that are doing some great things to help fight this fight for equality. Another one is Black Community Resources. I actually got that from a Facebook community I just joined this week, Crystal, that you invited me to. I believe I got this from there, Black Mental Health for mental health professionals. And then there's the National Action Network, which was started by Al Sharpton. I believe he started that when a black man was also gunned down. I, I believe it was the, the gentleman in St. Louis. And then Black Women's Roundtable, they're with the National Coalition on Black Civic Participation, another organization. And this Black Women's Roundtable, they actually have a partnership with Essence. So they're doing things to fight this fight as well. And then there's one near and dear to me, the Trayvon Martin Foundation, Miss Sabrina Fulton. I actually had the pleasure of meeting her one day in the mall and all I could ask her was, can I give you a hug? And she said, sure. And we hugged and then she messed with my sister. But um, yeah, this was started by her, her son, Trayvon Martin, who was gunned down in his community in Florida a few years ago. And then there's the United Shades of America, which is actually a documentary is, is broadcasted on CNN and it stars a comedian, Camo, I don't know how to say his name, but Mr. Bell, he sometimes comes and commentate on CNN. And that's just, I added this because yeah, it's something I like to look into. Maybe I can watch a few episodes just to learn more because I am definitely ready to help, um, yeah, to, 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 to participate in Black Lives Matter movement and however I can help because this week has had me doing a lot of reflecting and my heart goes out for Greg. Um, I don't know, hopefully I'm not getting ahead of myself, Crystal, but I, I just want to ask Greg, you know, being a, a, a Black man, the question I have for him is how can we as black women support, you know, black men? Because of course we have our history too, black men, black women, we, we have our own issues that we have to work through, but it's my hope that we can put those aside to stand with our brothers to help them. So what could we do as black women to help? Not only you, but this is you speaking on the behalf of all black men right now, Greg. <laughs> I think it's the, the support that comes from like small victories that we do. Um, to be more appreciative, appreciative of the fact that they're going to work, um, they're providing like for the family, and they're um, not to say that um, they have to go and like that person is a king. But I think that they they need to go out of their way to let the male know that he's appreciated and needed. So I think that the one thing that anyone wants is they want to be appreciated. Right. It doesn't matter. Like if I get up 
four o'clock in the morning, my daughters, they let me know, my wife let me know that they appreciate because, you know, uh, the Bible says that if you don't work, you don't eat. And sometimes you get up, like Crystal has to travel to San Antonio because her vision is to progress, not to just stay in the same place. She was that she has to continue to work. And I think from the support from um, a black female towards a, uh, a male or anyone, doesn't matter what color they are, everyone wants to know that, okay, I got up in the morning, I went out and I did this, I'm tired. And I want to hear that you appreciate that because there are not a lot of people that are taking care of their kids. The people that aren't taking care of their kids, the people that are taking care of their kids. One of the things I want to say this real quick, my daughter came to me when she was um, in high school and she said, Dad, you know that um, I was like one or two um, kids that were in class that had their mom and dad together. And I said that people do whatever they do because I... You know, my mom and dad, they separated when I was very young, but I had very strong role models in my life, um, which were my black uncles that didn't allow me to go astray. I never got in trouble with the law. I never got arrested. I never had kids in high school. And I think that um, the little victories that we do have, we just need to have support to say, we appreciate what you're doing. And that's going to catapult them into that next level to say, um, now it makes it worthwhile for me to go out and try to better myself. Right. Right. Wow. That's good. And that's exactly, that was my final overall comment of what you said. So if we can, um, if you feel appreciated at home and you make a difference at home, then it's like, yeah, I can go out now and make a difference in the community or maybe even in somebody else's home. So that was beautiful. Thank you, Greg. Yes. Um, I wanted to just <clears throat> kind of review, read off some action steps that we can do to, to help in this movement as well. Um, I kept saying register to vote, you know, so that's very important if we are trying to change things on that level, uh, registering to vote and um, checking in on your, your black friends, family member, partners, colleagues, uh, educate yourself and read up on what, what it means to be anti-racist. So we know that we're telling people, oh, okay, this behavior, this is not acceptable. Um, share, you know, post things that are gonna be educational, you know, not like tearing down anybody. Um, and don't center the narrative kind of around ourselves, but identify any privilege if, if we're on the, you know, we're not a person of color, you know, be able to identify that. And then stop supporting organizations that promote hate. You know, there's a lot of organizations out there that we've been giving money to that is not for, you know, the Black Lives Matter or for humanity in general. Uh, be an ally and continue to donate like Celeste said and, and fund those support those initiatives um, you know if we have the means so supporting different where there's George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, you know Ahmad and, and all of those other ones that that have like what can we do to support so just want to encourage that this is what we can do to you know to be that start you know it's not a solution it's not a you know an answer to everything but we can keep moving forward in our pursuit for equality um, and to have great mental health in the black community. Amen. Yeah. Thank you. So if no one else has any questions, Rishi, you have any comments? What would you 
like to leave the people with today, Rishita? Unmute yourself. Okay, go ahead. I just unmuted you, I think. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I lost battery earlier. Sorry about that. Oh, no. But just remember your peace of mind. That's the most important thing. You need to make sure that you have control of that at all times. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. Well, um, that's all. I don't really have anything. I think we all kind of share, but I thank you guys for joining us. I know this short minute discussion, um, I think it was well needed. It was pressing on my heart to, to bring this. And I hope that we can have future discussions on different topics and how we can help, you know, that this is a start to, to moving in the right direction. And just asking yourself, what can you do in the community that you are in? You know, we, we are different places, some of us in um, some of you guys are doing stuff, so that's great. Continuing that, taking care of yourself, you know, because that's important through this whole process, self-care as well um, in, in the Black community. So thank you again for joining us. And, you know, those that are listening to this, please follow us on uh, 21 Days of Positive Living on Facebook, Positive Living on Instagram, Butterflies Prospering Wellness Company, uh, Facebook, Instagram, um, Rashida, you have your group, the Zoe, is it women's? Zoe Women's Small Group. Zoe's Women's Small Group. So you can join in on that group. Um, following Greg at with his gym, he does training. Um, he's on my website as well. So if you want to reach out to, to Greg uh, that way as well, um, our information, our contact information is there. So thank you again. And we appreciate you listening in. And you have a blessed, wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Bye.